Awesome. Sorry, I'm all fidgety up here. Uh, my name's Ben Atkinson. If you don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here. Super glad to be with you this morning. As we continue, like Chris was explaining, uh, through this kind of deep dive on, on mission. And what does it mean uh, for us to be on mission? Um, what, is, what mission has God called us to? And, and what are all the different ways that as a church we're kind of engaging in that idea? Uh, we say it every week or we, nearly every week that, you know, our, our vision that we don't do perfectly but the Holy Spirit's helping us is to be a gospel-centered family on mission for the fame of Jesus and for the good of our neighbors. And so we did a week on gospel and a week on family, but we've really done this concerted deep dive on mission. And so, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I think we kicked it off. Well, well, we had Snowpocalypse Day, so we kicked it off that day. Uh, but then the week after that, we heard from Gary Morgan, who's downtown, seeking to plant micro churches in downtown Nashville. Then we heard from Gina Newton about the food pantry. And uh, the thing that sticks out to me from that week is, she said, I think a hungry child is unacceptable or intolerable. And that's just resonated with me since she said that. Uh, and then we heard from Ryan Coatney a few weeks ago, who's planting a church in Donaldson. Uh, and then we heard about the Hope Center last week. And so we've been looking at all these different ways that we're involved uh, as a church, um, but also just coming around this idea that you and I are the sent people of God. That for us to be Christians, and we're going to go deeper on that today, that for us to take up the mantle and say, I've, I've been saved by Jesus, means something about our calling. It means that we are sent people. It's actually part of our identity. And I want to show you where that comes uh, from the Scriptures, and then I want to take it a step further, and I want to show you that we're not just the sent you know, people of God, we're also the sent people of God who've been given a, a global focus. And so today we're going to especially dive in on global missions. What does it mean that Jesus has called us to be about making disciples to every tongue, tribe, people, and nation? Um, and I, I would say about five to six years ago, somewhere around there, I felt like our staff took a, a bit of a turn. We'd always loved global missions. We'd always been involved in um, you know, Uganda and Africa, and we'd taken a short trip to Haiti, and there'd been these different ways that we had taken mission trips or given or been about global missions, but uh, I think it was about five or six years ago, our staff made a concerted effort to go, we want to focus on this more, and we want to focus on this even more intentionally than we have in the past. So the way I think about it, and, and I, I think it's a good way to think about it, the same way that you and I would, uh, would look at our own personal budgets and go, okay, a, a portion of this, really the first portion, you know, needs to go to God. And so as I'm looking at my budget and I'm figuring out my budget, I want to set aside a, a tithe or a portion of, of first fruits of my income and go, this is God's because that's what the Bible teaches us. And we as a church just said, let's do that more intentionally with our church budget in regards to missions. And so we began looking, what is the percentage of money from our church budget that goes out? It doesn't necessarily benefit us, doesn't necessarily make us more famous or grow bigger or any of that stuff. Not that all that's intrinsically bad, but what, what would it look like to just give a portion, you know, kind of no strings attached to the fame of God in the nations and to be very intentional about that? And what percentage of our budget are we doing that with? And who are we partnered with? 
and where are we being about missions in the world? And so we've been more intentional about that in the last five or six years. And we have a very specific uh, list. I'm about to put them up there uh, for all to see of, of people and organizations and missionaries that we come alongside of in partnership, partner with, and we're seeking to grow in that every year as God allows us to. Let's give more money away for the fame of Jesus and all the earth. So I actually want to show you um, we've got a slide here. Here it is. And I'm going to kind of go through these because as some of you are aware of these and they're pretty much on our website, but you may not be aware of all of them. Left side, this is global, okay, which is kind of our focus today. We give, when, when you guys give to 24 Church, when we give, part of your money goes to these organizations. Soma Tokyo, that's a church in Tokyo, Japan, Pastor Yoshi. That, they're about 10-year-old church plant. I've been there. It's amazing. Um, we're not going to say who it is, but we have some very dear friends that are in the Middle East, and we support them through prayer regularly. If you're a member, you get those updates, or you can sign up for the newsletter to get those updates. We support Wayne and Donna, who are in Northern Africa. Um, we help support uh, the Jones family, who were in Nashville. Now they're in Columbus, Ohio, but they're working specifically amongst the Somali peoples, okay? And there's from what I understand, I was told this recently, there's about 5,000 or so Somalis uh, in Nashville. There's about 50,000 in Columbus, so that's why they made the move. Um, and, and statistically, one or two might know Jesus, okay, of that group, all right? Just so you know, very unreached people group. Uh, the Killebrew family who are in Queens, New York, they're working specifically amongst Punjabi Sikh peoples. Again, there's a huge diaspora or a group of people that no longer live in India that are now in Queens, New York, and they're Punjabi Sikhs, and the Kilabrus are working amongst them, seeking uh, to let them know who the true God of the universe is and what Jesus has done for them. Uh, we support Grace and Glory Chapel and Chosen Junior School, two different ministries, but both led by Pastor James and Matuga, Uganda. Okay, so that's kind of globally. Then when we look kind of... Uh, U.S. and then local, City on a Hill Church, and Pastor Stephen in Boston, Massachusetts, that's a church plant in Boston, uh, Real Life Sango, uh, and Pastor Freddie, we don't support them financially anymore, but we did early on, we, we're still cheering for them, and we love them, uh, that's that church plant in Sango, just up the road, uh, this is new, you might not all have heard about that, uh, but we also support now Real Life Fort Campbell, and a guy named Eric Malloy, uh, who's planting a church right on Fort Campbell, Okay, uh, Grace Story Church, again, we heard from Pastor Ryan a few weeks ago, Ryan Coatney in Donaldson. Gary Morgan, you heard from Gary, who's downtown, who's planting microchurches in downtown Nashville. And then uh, the stuff that you guys probably know a lot about, Hope Center Ministries. Uh, you know, we're hoping to open this Hope Center very soon uh, to tackle drug and alcohol abuse and rehabilitation in a gospel-centered way. Uh, FCA of Northern Middle Tennessee. We're helping support Andrew Fortner in a small way as he is sharing the gospel uh, amongst high school and middle school students. Uh, the 24 Food Pantry and the Big Food Truck led by Gina Newton and then Serve Sunday led by Ann Saylor and increasingly uh, by Suzanne Crow and a group of other people as Ann's been battling uh, cancer. So, wow, that's a lot. But that's amazing. And, and the thought came to me this morning, Ben, does this seem a little braggadocious? Well, yes and no. But even the Apostle Paul talks about bragging on what God is doing 
through his ministry. Not because of him, not because of us, but what God has been pleased to allow us to come alongside of and be a part of in spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I want you guys to know, as kind of one of the guys that helps, you know, steer this mission thing, that this is some of where your money's going to. It's going to a lot of stuff here, but it's also going to these places. And we as 24 Church, we want to be about every single person on the globe having access to the life-transforming message of Jesus and knowing what he has done for them by his perfect life and his sacrificial death and his resurrection. And how they can actually take hold of that life and death and resurrection on their behalf and to know the God of the universe and to be saved from their sin. Okay, so that's, we can take that down. That's just kind of a, uh, an overview of kind of where we're at. And what I want to do today, again, I want to talk about the sentness of every believer, and I want to talk about the global scope. And, and here's what I'm hoping. Um, it's very easy for us, myself included. So anything I say today, I'm like preaching to myself as much as anybody else. It's very easy for us if we're not careful in America in 2024 to kind of treat our calling to make disciples as like the one exception to Christianity. It's like we'll do all the other stuff, but sometimes the actual act of sharing the gospel with somebody who doesn't know or being about that kind of feels extra risky. And if we're not careful, it can become the thing that we don't really do or that we kind of take for granted or that we kind of say, somebody else will do that. And I just want to call us back on board to say, we're all about this. And maybe wherever you are in your journey with Jesus of being an on-mission person, that you would take a step forward this morning, that God might prick your heart in this area, or over here, or over here, over here, and you would go, I'm being led to do this. I, I want to be about this. Okay, so that's, that's my hope this morning. Let's pray together, and we're going to jump into some Scripture. Father, we got a lot of information this morning, but some really big ideas about our calling to be about making disciples to every nation. And Lord, I want to pray that for myself included, Lord, that our, our yes would be on the table to whatever you might call us to do. The Lord, we wouldn't have human eyes, but we would have spiritual eyes that would see the world the way that you see it. And then, Lord, in whatever you call us to do and however you call us to be on this mission, Lord, that we would say yes and follow you boldly, even if that means sacrifice, even if our friends and family look at us crazy, even if others don't understand, that we would say Jesus is lovely and he's changed my life and he's worth it and I want others to know about him. And to know that you're going to take care of us, that you're never going to leave us or forsake us. So Lord, call us on this mission, Lord, and, and work in our midst this morning. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. So again, two ideas today, the sentness of every believer, the global scope of the mission. So the sentness of every believer, that's, that's kind of point number one where we're going. And I just, a lot of these may be very familiar passages. We're going to kind of cruise through them 
but I just want to show you that I'm not lying to you. That the Bible actually teaches this. Uh, so the first is Matthew 4, 17 through 20. So this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Remember? So he, he just was baptized, and then he was tempted in the desert, and he comes out. Verse 17 says in Matthew 4, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is hand. And then what? While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Jesus began his ministry by calling others to follow him, and he told them from the very beginning, this is what it's going to be about to follow me, is that you're going to fish for other people. You're going to seek to spread the message of the kingdom to others and pull them along with you. And then he actually ends his ministry the very same way. He begins by calling them and saying, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And then he ends his ministry right before he ascends to heaven. Matthew 28, very familiar. But he says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So he says, make disciples. And then he uses all these participles to describe what making disciples would mean. Making disciples is the command there in that verse. If you look in the Greek, and it's surrounded by participles. And those participles are going. So to make disciples, we're going to have to go. And we're going to have to teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. We're going to have to baptize new believers. And Jesus is going to be with us as we do it. So he begins his ministry with this command. He ends his ministry with this command. And it, it freaked me out a little bit, if I'm honest. I have this verse memorized, very familiar with it. Most of you are probably very familiar with the Great Commission if you've been up and grown up in church at all or been around for a little while. But I was sitting in seminary class one day with Dr. Steve Wilkes. It was, he was crazy. He was just like a big hippie professor. One of my favorite professors. He's now with Jesus. And he looked at our class and he said, that command's given to you. And there was just something about the way he said it. He's like, are you doing this? So think about it. And Jesus came and he said to Ben, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You, Ben, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And you, Ben, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And you, Ben, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And Ben, I want to remind you that I'm with you always to the end of the age. And you could put your own name in that verse. And God this morning is saying that to you if you're one of his children. You're called to go. And you're called to make disciples. And you're, can I, I one thing I love about 24 is that if you help lead somebody to the Lord, you get to be the one that baptizes them often. Especially down at the creek once a year, but any time throughout the year. That's a joy. It's not just pastors it's not just a pastoral calling. It's an every believer calling. That you would help somebody to know who Jesus is and 
faith would take up residence in their heart and Jesus would transform them and then you would get to be part of baptizing them as they tell the whole world about what Jesus has done for them. We're all given this calling. And I, I want to ask us self-reflectively, do we take those words seriously? Do we feel that? I mean, it, it is in the plural. I'm not just saying it's on me completely. It's on us. But, but do we feel this as a command to us that I'm to be about going and making and baptizing and teaching? Because Jesus is saying you are. Okay? A few other places where um, the sentence is mentioned. Um, and, and I want to mention this quote by David Platt before I move on. It, I, I think this is great. He just says, every church member ought to ask, this is David Platt, ought to ask, with the unique gifts that God has given me and the Spirit of God who lives in me, how can I make disciples today right where I live? That's a great question. With the unique gifts that God has given me and the Spirit of God who lives in me, how can I make disciples today right where I live? And that's to all of us. Okay? A few more places. John 20, uh, 19 and 21. Uh, I quote 21 a lot, but it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus had just died, okay? And they're very scared that they might die. And it says, Jesus came and stood among them, He's resurrected and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his, his hands and his side. And he says, it's really me. I really died. And now I'm back alive. And he says, uh, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Even so I'm sending you. Now let's think for a second about how Jesus was sent. We could probably spend the whole time here. We won't. But I I wrote down five things. Jesus was sent in this way. He left a place of ease. He he has always existed. So he was pre-existent with the Father and the Spirit in heaven. And that was a good, easy place. He left a place of ease and he came to some place that was much harder and that was earth. So So by extrapolation, Jesus calls us sometimes to leave easy places and go to hard places. He was completely surrendered to the will of the Father. So as Jesus was sent, he just said, God, you call the shots. And at times he was like, God, I don't really want to, Father, I don't really want to do this, but your will be done, not mine. That's how he was sent. And so we are called to go, God, you call the shots. He sacrificed his life for the sake of others. He did so in a salvific way. We don't save anybody, but we're called to sacrifice for the sake of the cause if God calls us to. He went filled with the Spirit. He did not do this in his own power, but he went in his sentness filled with the Spirit, and you and I have been given the Spirit so that as we go, God's doing all the heavy lifting. We're just being obedient. And he went in demonstration of the power of God and in proclamation of the word of God. So he wasn't just all talk, he was talk and action. Paul regularly says, I'm, I'm, I want to see what, what power you guys have in, in talking to the church at Corinth. I'm going to come and I'm going to see who has the power of God and not just a bunch of words. That church was all bickering. And he says, and we need to be sent in demonstration 
of the power of God and in proclamation of the word of God. And we could sit and think about that more. But again, we're, we're called to this. And then one of my favorite passages, this is actually the passage uh, that Gary spoke on, and I just want to bring it to your attention again because it's so powerful. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. And li- listen to what the Apostle Paul says. He says, therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, he explains himself, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So, so breaking that down, and we could spend a whole day here, Jesus has made a way through his death and resurrection for people to be reconciled to God. He's forgiven their sins. They no longer have to be enemies of God. They can now be friends of God. But what needs to happen? Jesus had to do his part, and now we have to carry that message to others so that they can hear it and believe and be reconciled to God. So the Bible's saying we are God's ambassadors as followers of Jesus. God makes his appeal through us. And so I just want to end point number one by just asking this, again, kind of searching question. I'm asking it to myself too. How are you personally involved in obeying the Great Commission? Maybe God's calling you to be more involved than you are right now. Maybe there are friends and acquaintances at work that you need to be, begin praying for more intently that God would use you to share the gospel with them. Maybe you need to take the chance and invite them church. Maybe you need to take the chance and begin the conversation with them about spiritual things and see where they are. Maybe you need to help start a new micro church because we don't want to just see people saved. We want to see them grow up into mature discipleship. And you're like, I, we need more of these. I want to help be a part of starting new ones at 24 so that more people can grow in their faith. Maybe God's calling you on a short-term mission trip, or maybe who knows what. The Holy Spirit knows. What's he leading you to do? How is the Holy Spirit today, not, not been, how's the Holy Spirit leading you today to be more involved in the Great Commission? Because we, our identity as followers of Jesus is we are sent people. Number two, the global scope of the mission. So again, we're just going to clip through some scripture, perhaps even quicker, okay? Um, we already said Matthew 28, but just if, remember Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's the scope. Luke 24, 46 and 47. And, and said to them, thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Global Acts 1.8. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Global. Matthew 24, 14. And this is what I preached on like last time, like six months ago when I talked about missions. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So in some way, the second coming of Jesus is tied up in the message going forth to every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. Did you catch that? So we want to finish that mission. In Revelation 5, I almost preached in Revelation today the whole time. But in Revelation 5, we get this beautiful picture of the Lamb who alone is worthy to open the seals on the scroll. In other words, Jesus is in control of history. And history doesn't make sense without him. In fact, life is meaningless without Jesus because he controls the entire meaning and purpose of the globe. And by, by him conquering through his death and resurrection, he can open the scroll. And, and this is what it says, because that's who Jesus is. This is what it means, Revelation 5, 9 and 10. And they sang a new song. This is in heaven. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood, listen, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest our God, and they shall reign on the earth. My friend Joe Cadden, he was a, a missionary to Turkey for several years now back stateside, really good friend of mine. And I called him and just talked to him for like 30 minutes yesterday, just asking him missions questions. Like, what, what is the church not thinking about? Like, what do you wish you could tell the church? And how can we be more involved in this? And how can we develop a heart for missions? And just anything Joe had said. And he, he just said, you can't read the Bible and not begin to see that God has a heart for the nations. If you begin to read the Bible straight through, like in Genesis, you'll see that God has a heart for nations. And in Revelation, at the end, you'll see that God has a heart for the nations. And all the way along, you'll see that God has a heart for nations. And if you're just paying attention with eyes to see, you can't read the Bible and not go, wow, that's the scope of the mission. It's always been about the whole world. God wants to gather for himself people, believers, disciples from every tongue, tribe, people, and nation. Because he means to have in heaven and in the new earth a group of worshipers that represent every culture that are praising him and that love him. And this is not like a, a white thing or a black thing or Hispanic thing. It's, it's every single nation. And we're called to be about making that happen. As best we're able. So I, I want to go now to some slides that I've got prepared. This is all from David Platt. This stuff was eye-opening to me um, when I heard it, as it, re, re, you know, involves global missions. So um, let's go to that first slide. Again, we're just going over this verse again and again and again. But Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Next slide. Nations. Next slide. This is David Platt. When Jesus used the word nations, that's the Greek word ethne, he was not referring to the nearly 200 nations or countries that exist in the world today. He wasn't. He was referring to peoples, tribes, or languages, what we might refer to today as people groups, 
People groups are ethno-linguistic groups of people that share common language and cultural characteristics, a common ethnicity. So that's what the Greek word ethne actually means. It's not just a nation like America. It's people groups, okay? Next slide. Approximately 17,000 people groups have been identified in the world today. Now, don't get hung up on that. Maybe we define it slightly different than Jesus, and there's only 16,000, you know, or maybe there's 18,000. We're, missiologists are doing the best they can to understand the Greek and go, but there's about 17,000, we think. And the church's mission is to make disciples among all of them, and sadly, though, sadly, though over 7,000 of those people groups are still considered unreached. 7,000. So there's 17,000, we think, and there's 7,000 that haven't been touched. All right, next slide. What's unreached mean? Unreached peoples and places are those among whom Jesus is largely unknown and the church is relatively insufficient to make Jesus known in its broader population without outside help. It's estimated that out of the 7.75 billion people in the world today, over 3 billion of them, about 40%, are unreached. So think about that. Unreached means there's not enough Christians or churches in that place to even reach everybody if we wanted to. It's not, it's not talking about America. We would be considered reached. Doesn't mean everybody knows Jesus. Still a lot of work here to be done. We want to be about that work. But in America, you can hear about Jesus if you want to. But that's not necessarily true in Tokyo. And that's not necessarily true in Somalia. And that's not necessarily true in Iraq or Iran or Afghanistan or Egypt or many other places. Next next slide. He explains this. A person who's a part of an unreached people group is in a different situation than your non-Christian family, friends, and neighbors. It's not simply that they don't believe the gospel or that they haven't heard it explained clearly, as unfortunate as that is. It's that they don't even have access to a Christian or a church that could share the gospel with them. Practically speaking, this is sobering, practically speaking, they will be born, live, die, and go to hell without ever hearing about Jesus, about who Jesus is, and what he has done to provide forgiveness and eternal life. Next slide. It gets worse. (laughs) It's estimated that around 3% of missionaries in the world today are working amongst unreached people groups. So 97% are working amongst reached people groups. 3% working amongst unreached people groups. And only 1% of our missions giving is aimed at reaching the unreached. While we should not neglect peoples and places that are already reached, including our own communities, it should concern us that the church is virtually ignoring those with the least access to the gospel. This needs to change. Now, I'm happy to say, actually, quite by accident, that every single country we're involved in globally at 24, other than Uganda, would be considered unreached or an unreached people group. That's completely by accident, or not, it's God. (laughs) But we just happen to fall into that. But I want us to be even more about reaching 
anywhere God might send us, but especially be about praying for, supporting missionaries, sending people to places that have no access or virtually no access to the gospel. Last slide here. So these, again, according to Platt, are some of the hardest to reach peoples and places in the world. And I just want you to see this list. This isn't all of them, but there's this cool app called Stratus, or website called stratus.earth, and they will rank how unreached and how hard a place it is for the gospel to go. And these are 20 places they identified at Radical, said these places desperately need the gospel. Afghanistan, Yemen, China, Sudan, North Korea, Mali, Somalia, Iran, Iran, Niger, Morocco, Iraq, Lebanon, Russia, India, Saudi Arabia, Nepal, Egypt, Uzbekistan, Indonesia, Myanmar, Syria, Laos, Turkey, Japan, Bosnia and Herzegovina, South Sudan, Pakistan, Thailand, Bhutan, and Libya. And what I want us to do today, and this may feel a little charismatic, and if you're cool with that, great. If you're not, I'm not really sorry. But I just want you to look at that list right now and ask God, God, who do you want me to pray for? Which, which country? Which people group do you want me to pray for? And, and I want you to pray for them right now, just silently. So ask the Holy Spirit, which one? And there's whatever one pops in your head, you go with that one, trust that it's him, and I want you to pray right now. Let's do that right now. Lord, we lift up these prayers to you. All these peoples that don't know who you are. And we pray that, Lord, you would reach them for your glory. And that you would reveal yourself to them. And Lord, if you'd be so kind as to help us to know the part that we're called to play through prayer and through giving of our resources and, Lord, even through going and seeing these countries and many others reached for the fame of Jesus. Would you do that right now? Lord, would you accept all these prayers that we're praying to you and would you grant them? In Jesus' name, amen. A few thoughts in closing. Um, My prayer is that God would give us even more of a heart for the nations. And I would love to see us be a church that is more intentionally praying for the nations, praying especially for our missionaries who are working amongst the nations and who are going to the nations. I I plan to, in the newsletter this week, send out the brochure where I got all that information from, which is actually a prayer guide where you can pray for each of those nations one, one a day or one a week or however you want to do it and see more information about that. And I just want to call you, if God's pricking your heart, to, to join us in that and just begin to, to develop a heart for where Jesus is not named and to pray for those places. So that's just one way that God's calling us, I think, to give. But how else might he be calling you to maybe give directly to a missionary or a mission organization 
or to begin praying specifically that he might burden you for one place or even that he might go. We're low-key. We're working on a trip to northern Africa. I'm not going to say specifically where with one of our people that we support. And you'll be hearing more about that as we know the details. We're hoping to do that in the next year or so. And it would be to help disciple and works amongst church group leaders because there's micro churches all over the nation. That's how they can meet and worship Jesus. We want to help equip these believers as best we can. So you'll hear more about that and maybe God might lead you to do that. But again, uh, two quotes, three quotes from my friend Joe. He just says, you can't read the Bible and not see that God has a heart for the nations. He says, if you want to follow Jesus, you have to go to the nations because that's where Jesus is going. And he said, I I asked him, I said, how did God call you to this, Joe? You went over, lived in Turkey for several years, and we're about that. And he said, honestly, he said, I had a love for travel, like way before my calling. Love for travel, and I ended up going on a short-term mission trip years ago. It was somewhere in Africa, he said. He said, it just dawned on me. He said, we we were visiting a town one day, and he said, in that town, there were 150,000 people. And he says, as best we were able to figure out, or the missionaries we were working with figure out, there wasn't a single Christian in that town of 150,000 people. There might have been a few in the past, but they had died. There was currently zero gospel witness in that city where he was. 150,000 people. And he says, just looking around. Not a single person knows Jesus. And he just said to God, God, if you're calling me to this, I'm willing to go. And, and if there's any challenge, David Platt talks about this a lot, and Matt Chance quotes him a lot. Matt's my good friend, and I believe this. The you and I as believers are called basically just to put our, we sign a blank check, and we just give it to God, and we say, God, you make it out to wherever, the blank check of my life, you make it out to wherever you want to make it out. Wherever calling you might give to me, wherever you might want me to live, whatever vocation you might call me to, whatever place you might want me to move to, whatever person you might be calling me to help reach, you, you make out the check. It's signed. My yes is on the table. You lead me. I'll do whatever you call me to do. And I just want to call us and call myself to that this morning. That we would sign the blank check, say, Jesus is Lord. You lead me. I'll do whatever you call me to do, joyfully. And that's the other thing. Like, every missionary I know loves what they do, has a wonderful life. It's not like they're beaten down and hating it, and it's the most awful thing ever. They're like, this has been an amazing journey that God's called me into. Doesn't mean it wasn't, isn't without sacrifice at times, but it's amazing. And so the enemy would love to convince you that this is like the worst thing ever. And you should not listen to me. But that's not what this is about. Okay. Um, I want to end just with Romans 10, 9-17. This is super, this is kind of a lot, okay. But um, I know I already said I was going to end, but now I'm ending again. I, preachers do that. Um, Romans 10. It says real clearly, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. 
For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For Scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between Jew and Greek, American, European, African, Australian. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And then he says in verse 14, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they here without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And then he says, not everybody's going to believe, but they've not all obeyed the gospel. Isaiah even talks about that. Lord who has believed what he has heard from us. But then Paul reminds us again, but faith comes by hearing. How do people believe the gospel? They hear it. Faith is created as people hear the gospel and hearing through the word of Christ. And so you and I are the sent people of God called to go wherever God might lead us to proclaim the message because unless we proclaim the message, people will not hear the message and they cannot believe the message and they cannot cast all their cares upon Jesus Christ who loves them and be forgiven of their sins. So I'm just, <laughs> I'm just calling us into this. I'm calling myself into this. We are the sent people of God and the scope of the mission is global. And we want to be about that global mission, whatever that might mean. Let's pray together. Father, help us. Um, help us for the joy of knowing Jesus to want to be about sharing him with others. Lord, help us with great burdens for our lost friends and family and neighbors and the nations who don't know about you, help us to be about sharing the message of the gospel. And Lord, I, would, you just, would you just call people to yourself this morning? Lord, would you call them into the mission field this morning? Would you call us to take more intentional roles in supporting and praying and going, Lord, this morning? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're about to take communion together. Um, and it's for believers. But if you're here today and you're like, I know I'm not a Christian. I'm kind of interested, but I'm not there yet. And God's working on your heart. Communion is not for you, but we, Chris, myself, we would love to pray with you. If you need to prayer in the lobby, you want to talk through these things in the lobby, we're going to be there right now. Please come and talk with us, pray with us. If you need to accept Jesus today as your Lord and Savior, please do that.